welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Hey, bro. We did it. Uh, we, you and I single-handedly did it. 1-0. <laughs> 1-0 oh. <laughs> oh this week. 1-0. Oh. I'll take it, man. Uh, yeah. What a what a great weekend. What a what a great Saturday. What a great experience all around. Um I'm I'm riding high, man. I mean, I, I so <laughs> you know, when I'm sitting in front of the television and I have my phone in front of me and I'm frothing <laughs> per play, per second, per, you know, Sean Clifford throw, whatever it is. <laughs> I I didn't have the opportunity to do that this week because we were at the game, sitting in the 50-yard line. Big thanks to our friend Rudy Glocker up in New Hampshire at Bergen um, Outdoor. Bergen, I, I forget if it's Bergen Outdoors or Bergen Outfitters or either, but either way, he makes great outdoor apparel uh, up there in the White Mountains. Um and he he's was kind enough uh, yet again to gift the Gathman family um, four tickets to the game. Our, our dad came, our seventy two year old father, who's an alum from back in the, the late sixties, early seventies. Um, and My your daughter, daughter first time, first yeah. time at a Penn State game. We got to go. We got yep. to go around uh, campus beforehand. Uh, got a picture on the Lion Shrine. Uh, got to see the hub and the library and Old Main and all that stuff. And then a great day. I mean, she was yeah, having, she was having a blast. She was having a blast. I mean, uh, it was obvious. She we didn't have to, you know, coerce her into cheering. She was doing it all on her own. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a lot was so of fun. Great. And so we sat in the blue th- again. Again, thanks to Rudy. Appreciate that very much. And um, but I so I, I I there's no service for Verizon Wireless. Isn't that a funny dynamic about being in the stadium? Which is yeah. like you really have no choice. But I'm okay to just, with it. I am I'm okay. too. I'm okay I mean, with it. I was obviously we were all complaining that like they do need to correct it, <laughs> but I'm okay with it because what I would be doing is just texting, you know, Joel <laughs> like, or Cody or hearing from Joel or yeah, Cody, yeah. you know, Cody who was also in the game. We tailgated with the McKibbins before him, but so I, I I got to you get to just absorb the game in person way differently than you do watching the the you know television uh feed broadcast which was on NBC this week and I watched some of it I didn't watch the whole game after after the fact did you get to watch any of it yeah I watched um maybe two-thirds of it on Sunday afternoon yeah, I probably after... caught a third of it before I passed out that I night getting was... back from the Penn State game I thought it was a fine presentation you know no complaints really um but um you know, overall, you know, we're going to get into the game, of course. Um, but overall, it's just a great experience. Uh, you know, I'm it back in warm. Baltimore. It was warm during the it day. Was. Real it was. It uh, was. You were a little sticky sitting next to me. I got to say, uh, we were, you know, those Beaver Stadium seats aren't getting any narrower. I'm unapologetic. <laughs> um, I should say they're not getting any wider and we're not getting any narrower. Actually, they are going to be getting wider <laughs> from what I hear. Yeah. Um, uh, I think they will be. I think we'll have. I wonder that's how many how thousand redu- seats will. It, <laughs> that's know. how they'll reduce the the capacity, but hopefully not below the one hundred thousand mark. Uh, anyway, so so hey, it was a good game. We won. Um, th- there was back, some. We're back where we belong for the moment. I'm in Baltimore. You're back yeah, in Colorado. I think correct. both of us, you know, even recording this on Tuesday, which is a day later than normal, partly because. 
I was totally blitzed. You were totally wiped out. Um, you're no, still. I wasn't wiped out so much. I was just. I'm tra- travels, traveling yesterday. Travels. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we. You know, there's been a little bit of a candle burning on both ends. Um, you know, but uh, nothing could dampen just the the great experience and night that we had. Um, not everything was all cheery. There are certainly some things to talk about. We'll get into it. Um, here's what we've got for the outline today. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, we do have some news and notes. The, the true first week of college football is behind us. And um, so we're going to get into some of those things that have that have happened. Um, and the bulk of the uh, episode is going to be just recapping that West Virginia game, looking at some of the really good things that we saw, some of the things that uh, we feel the team's going to need to work on. And then yeah, just a few uh-ohs that, <laughs> honestly, you and I had talked about previously. Turns out, like, they might be some things that are, are more challenging. So, we're going to get into those things. Uh, before we get into it, uh, I want to remind everyone to please uh, follow and subscribe our show. If you don't, so you don't now we're into the season, you don't want to miss a show. Um, share us with your Penn State friends. Please write a review, give us a rating, send us an email so uh, we can... Uh, engage with you, and uh, maybe even feature you on a mailbag. Um, with that, want to open up the news and notes. News and notes. All right. So we, we have, you know, gosh, we're not going to talk about this a whole lot, but there's more conference realignment news. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? I, I was like, what? what is, are you going off script already? <laughs> yeah, there's um, more conference realignment. It's Clemson's official. leaving the ACC for the Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, might be better. They might have better luck there. Um, no, uh, the ACC, it's the other direction. The ACC has added Stanford, Cal, and Southern Methodist. Um, basically, these people are going to play football for free just for the privilege of being in the I mean the Atlantic Coast Conference is it it's not the privilege it's that they need somewhere to go desperation it's desperation by the way I don't know if you heard that SMU literally they are not taking a cut of the ACC yeah, for like five, money for like five or six for years the or... entire remainder of the contract oh until 2023 or 2036, excuse me. SMU, it's like the entire remainder of the TV contract. They're not taking any TV money. They just uh, want a chance to play for national titles and then take a cut of their next TV deal. Exactly. If the ACC even exists by then. Well, and and the idea is that SMU still has all of these big boosters. Yeah, yeah, You, you know, from all the way back in the day when they got the death penalty. So they're like, we're going to live off our boosters for 10 years and then eventually we'll get in. Um, Stanford and Cal are, you know, it's they're getting a much reduced thing for like five years and then they're going to be full partners in five years on the I mean I'm happy for Stanford and Cal I don't give a crap about SMU so much there this is I'm happy Stanford and Cal aren't dropping off to to the like group of five or even below like I at can't what imagine. point do we rename these conferences it, I mean it'll it'll happen I just don't know when by coastal conference now? I guarantee the- you that the big 10 will change its name at some point I don't know when I don't know like like it just you can't have 20 
plus teams in the conference and still call yourselves the Big Ten. It's really doing a disservice to now the majority of the conference is non-founding members at that point. You know what I mean? And now you've got in the ACC the Atlantic And I say 20 because I assume that like they're going to get bigger. I mean, but still 18, right? You know I mean? Yeah. The Penn State, when we came in as the 11th member, they're like, yeah, let's not change it. We'll just put a little... We'll call it the Big Ten. We'll put an 11 in the Big Ten (laughs) like words on the logo. so, So what's interesting about the ACC move to get these schools is that to me this is and I think to a lot of other people this is a you know a defensive move for the ACC to to offset the eventual loss of possibly the the possible eventual loss of schools like Florida State and Clemson who are who are and Florida State especially who's very outwardly um, angry about the money that they are not getting compared to the Big Ten and, and SEC and I think in you know and I could be wrong about this no one's really really like talking about this but but Notre Dame sits out there as a partial part-time member of the ACC in all sports but football and you know that's a big one for the Big Ten to hopefully get someday but but maybe the ACC you know can is trying to entice uh, Notre Dame with a Stanford uh, addition you know I don't know how much that 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 matters to to Notre Dame it matters enough for Notre Dame to be you know say ask pleading with the ACC to take Stanford and Cal that happened uh, and yep. and initially they turned them down, and then and then they came back and decided that they would bring in Stanford and Cal. So maybe that's a pull to, to you know, or, um, a move to dangle a carrot in front of Notre Dame for future realignment. <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, this situation is not over. This is just one more step along the way, and it remains to be seen what happens down the line. All right, let's move on. Um, just another quick. Uh, hitter, this is Penn State news. Landon Tangwall retired medically this past week. That's a bit of a loss for Penn State. He was expected to be a big part of the offensive line. We knew that he had been sitting out recently, and turns out whatever was causing him to sit out was was bad enough for him well, to according retire. According to Franklin, they were bumps and bruises while he's being held out of uh, practice for the, I think, a couple weeks leading up to the opening game. But what was more telling I found out after the fact was he wasn't even involved in like, he wasn't even there for the team photo, which is even more interesting. Um, so I, I also have heard that I, I don't think it's the same injury that kept him out last year. Mm. Uh, I don't personally want to speculate and maybe it's incorrect to, to do this right now, but I, I have, I've heard that potentially a, like concussions were, um, we're playing a factor, but I, that's unsubstantiated. So uh, unclear. Yeah. Well, it's a shame, and um, it's it definitely has an impact. He was considered to be, you know, kind of a a key part of that um, returning offensive line, and um, you know, but uh, they are a deep group this year, and so hopefully, it won't have too many long-term uh, consequences. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll it see. definitely showed up on the field, in my opinion. We can get into that a little bit later, but. Um, I think it's not insignificant to lose a guy like Landon Tangwall. He was a, he's a leader of the offensive line, and he's definitely a leader on the team. So so it's tough to tough to lose a guy like that. We hope hope he's stays healthy moving forward in, in his life. Franklin did mention that he's always going to be part of the family, and that he may serve in some capacities with the team this season and potentially beyond. Yeah. Okay. So um, now we're going to move into the uh, top ten scoreboard. Excuse me, top twenty five scoreboard, um, and. Um, I, we are going to get to some headlines for your 10 second takes, but um, 
one thing I want to do first is, uh, you know, we just had blowouts galore this weekend. It's pretty typical for this time of the year. I'm just going to, I'm going to run down about 10 blowout scores and I'm going to run them through all together. I'm just going to get your take on it as a bunch. All right. You ready for this? As a bunch. As a bunch. So, so but like, you know, 10 minutes per no, game still, though, 10 right? minutes. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like, Tom's we'll just 10 get minute take takes. On all these blowouts. Okay. So here were the right. blowouts of the weekend, at least as, as it relates to top 25 teams. Number one, Georgia over UT Martin, 48 7. Number four, Alabama over Middle Tennessee State, 56 7. Number six, USC over Nevada, 66 14. Number 10, Washington over Boise State, 56 19. Number 13, Nebraska, uh, Notre Dame over Tennessee State, 56 3. Number 12, Tennessee over the Virginia Cavaliers, 49 to 13. Number 15, Oregon over Portland State, 81 to 7. Number 16, K-State over Southeast Missouri, 45 to nil. And number 20, Oklahoma over Arkansas State, 73 nothing. None of those really do anything for me. I mean, the only one that possibly has some sort of credibility to it, it may, and this is a maybe. It's middle the Middle Tennessee State game against Alabama. Middle Tennessee State, I believe, beat Miami last year. All right, so Interesting. so like maybe that one holds some sort of like oh maybe Alabama's legit with their new quarterback Jalen Milrow. But like I mean, ta- I take nothing away from Oregon like destroying Portland State. I take nothing away from you know USC murdering Nevada or Georgia over. I never even like UT Martin. Where the heck? I don't even know. I never heard of UT Martin. Like. It, it, yeah, one thing that I do think I enjoy about the uh, the c- prospect of conference realignment is the fact that the the reduction of these types of games will be will happen. These types of games will will filter away. We'll, we'll see a reduction of at least fifty percent of these types of games across college football when conferences like the Big Ten go to ten game conference schedules. Yeah, so that's, that's not uh, a, a sure thing that that will happen. But that's been, I think it's likely. I think been, it's likely. These, suggests these, that it will. You want to know where the money comes from? It comes from these, you know, the, the networks. And the networks aren't going to want to have these conferences, you know, pay these conferences and these teams this amount of money without seeing these matchups occur on a more regular basis. No one's yeah. tuning into Georgia UT Martin. You know who they tuned in for? You know uh, what games they tuned in for? Yeah, LSU, Florida LSU, State. LSU, Florida State. They had a monster audience turnout for that in terms of uh, in terms of people viewing watching the game either, either online or on, on broadcast it was like like i don't know 9 or 10 million people view like tuned into that game and i was wondering it was a great it was fun uh, game to watch and and it's like uh, for all the bad games that happened all week i was able to watch that that game and enjoy that game and i didn't care about any other game as a as a viewer yeah i'm totally with you and i think that was kind of my point of bundling all these games is yeah. they were just like a big fat who cares. Obviously, those teams they got a nice tune up. Why aren't you doing this for your spring game? You know, I mean, that like, is the right way, t- time to do it. Is in the spring is have like scrimmages against these. You know, co- bring you know, another team in for a scrimmage and do a real deal. You know, I have it, um, have it televised if you want. Whatever the case absolutely. may be. Yeah. All right. So now we're into the the interesting headlines. Um, I've got a five for you in the top twenty five before we go to the Big Ten. Um, you just mentioned that game. Here we go. Number eight, Florida State pummels number five LSU in the second half for a dominating forty five to twenty four victory. What's your take? 
it was not a clean game by either team in the first half. Um, even Florida State's you know starting quarterback made some head scratching plays, um, but the second half they you know became they were second half team in that game. They made the correct adjustments. They wore LSU down. LSU didn't know what they were doing. Brian Kelly on the sidelines looked befuddled a lot of the time. He didn't have his normal fire at all. Um, he was he was not red faced. He was just drained no. of color. <laughs> and he and he and he said in the uh, earlier in the week leading up to this game that we're gonna beat the heck out of Florida State. And then at the end of the at the the postseason press conference, he was like, I don't know if we thought we were the two time defending champion Georgia Bulldogs. He's like, I don't know what we thought we were, but we were not good today. And he has a lot to correct. And he's he, yeah. I mean. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's all I got to say on that. Speaking of not being good, uh, the Florida Gators appeared toothless in a 24-11 to loss to number 14 Utah, who looked ready to pick up where they left off from their 2022 Rose Bowl campaign. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, the, that was with their, by the way, their third and fourth string quarterbacks because yeah. their first string and their second string were out for the game. <laughs> so they did this yeah. with a two quarterback system of their third and fourth string. Can you imagine Penn State playing their third and fourth strings against Utah, or excuse me, Iowa a couple seasons ago? Yeah. What would that have been like? Do we even have a, th- a fourth string quarterback? I know. I know. <laughs> so, so that game to me uh, has a, a a little bit of a peripheral effect for Penn State because Pe- uh, Florida ha- has a one of their best recruiting classes in recent memory and a couple of guys that they beat Penn State for. So, I've been you know wanting to to see what Florida is going to do this year, um, and uh, you know hopefully Penn State can can snag some of those guys back in the recruiting process with with Billy Napier's second year not starting great. They were five and seven last year, and they look like they might be a sub you know five hundred ball club yet again. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, just a reminder: ten second takes. Yeah, bro. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't right. care. Yeah, I, don't I know care. you don't. I know you don't. Um, so. You talked about LSU and Brian Kelly uh, talking the talk, uh, but not backing it up. Well, speaking of people who are talking the talk, the Colorado Buffaloes were primed to debut their new look team, surprising everyone but themselves by defeating last year's national runner-up TCU by a score of 42 to 45 as Shedder Sanders and the Buffaloes stampede the Horned Frogs for 510. Shedder, excuse me. Shedder. For 510 passing yards and four yeah. touchdowns. Well, so I was shocked. Certainly, I was in the the camp that was wrong with how. Yeah, I thought that they would lose this game. I thought they they would lose by 20 or more. Um, so c- color me shocked. Um, I'm still going to reserve judgment on what type of team this is going to be because this was apparently a, like a type of a revenge game for Deion Sanders. Um, when Kendall Bryles, the OC of TCU, having taken the commitment from his son Shador and apparently treating his son in- improperly while he was a-, a commit, so there was some bad blood there. And I and I, I don't know if this is like the game that that. Colorado got up for, or this is the game that launches them for the rest of the season, yeah. or if they are they just you know return to the, you know the the expectations that most people had for them, which is you know kind of be a middling five hundred team. All right, last one for the top twenty five. Uh, Dabo Sweeney was haunted by number nine Clemson's inexplicable collapse as the hapless Tigers succumbed to the Blue Devils with Duke beating a top 10 team for the first time since 1989. 
Yeah. Game. So, so I mean, <laughs> I I watched this on my on the flight. I was in the airport between flights when I when I started watching it, and and then I caught the second half on the plane. Thankfully, they had Direct TV, and I was able to plug my headphones in. Um, I really just thought that at some point they were gonna like pull it out, even if it was just a one point victory. I just felt I felt like Clemson was gonna come back, but at every single turn they committed mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. The only reason they got points in this game is because Duke fumbled a punt inside the twenty yard line, and they were able to get a, a quick touchdown out of it. But other than that, Clemson looked lost, and they looked like they didn't know, you know, how to beat Duke at. Duke's stadium. It was weird. the weirdest thing. Weird. And even D- Dabo said, "This is I've never been a part of a game like this." Yeah. You know. And, but you got guys like Paul Feinbaum already saying Dabo's, you know, um, dynasty is over. And everybody's like, "You're starting to hear the little bit the chatter, of s- chatter of the oh, we got to mm-hmm. fire Dabo Sweeney." And it's because he wa- he's not been getting um, great quarterback play, and he's not been getting great wide receiver play. And he has not been embracing the transfer portal like all of his competition has been. Yeah, interesting. You know, I mean, it it's a, a might early to uh, you know write the uh, obituary for Dabo Obviously. Sweeney and Clemson, but it yeah. it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues. To, haven't they lost three of the last four? So they're one, they're they're one and th- I, look, I just looked it up before we came on the air. They're one and three in their last four games. Yeah, they're with that lone win being against UNC in the uh, ACC title game, which they won the ACC last year, but then they lost to Tennessee in their bowl game, uh, and they lost to South Carolina before the conference championship game. By the way, Duke did look legit. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. They looked like a team that knew how to play ball. Absolutely, so. absolutely. I, I think you can't take anything away from them. They answered the, the the call at every turn in that game. Um, it was it was interesting to watch Duke be good, you know. And, and everybody thinks everybody thought that they they were eight they were an eight win program last year, and you know that that quarterback is uh, supposed to be like one of the top three or five quarterbacks taken in the draft. So so as we leave the national scoreboard just a fun little tidbit the sec went one and three versus power five teams in week one so <laughs> yeah well and well they went one and three against power five teams the pac 12 is 13 and 0 since week zero that's a pretty it's, a, it's a record for most games without a loss through week one in by a college football history by yeah. a conference yes yeah um all right uh, now turning to the big 10 um, got, uh, six of these for you, uh, starting on Thursday night in yeah. the big 10 opener for the country, Minnesota squeaked out a win against Nebraska, 13 to 10, ruining Matt rules debut and keeping the Huskers close game curse alive. Yeah. Well, they also have, you know, I, I, that game was kind of hard to watch in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> 13 to 10. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that being a defensive battle so much. I thought there was going to be a little bit more points scored, but but I, I'm more intrigued by what ne- what Nebraska can do this next week against Colorado. Can they oh, one of their yeah. old rivals, rivalry can they, game can, they can they get on track in a game like that cuz that can a derail Colorado, but B it can really put Nebraska on the right track to, to maybe be in a, a, a bowl team, you know, Interesting so, point. so I'm, I'm, a, I'm more intrigued by that than, than the you know outcome of this matchup here. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, going 
to some ranked teams in the top in the excuse me in the Big Ten. Number two, Michigan tries to free Harbaugh oh, with a solid but unspectacular win against East Carolina, thirty to the uh, excuse me thirty to three. Uh, their running backs had a very similar stat line combined as our running backs, by the way, so nobody really cu- got loose too much. J.J. McCarthy, while being efficient, um, didn't, you know, he, he was efficient, but he didn't really, like, light it up too much. Um, and again, it was pedestrian. East, East Carolina. This, I mean, this isn't even a Power 5 team, so you wanted to see more from that. Really, though, the free Harbaugh thing, you know, you, that you referenced, <laughs> we're going to make sure we let our, our listeners know if they don't know. Uh, J.J. McCarthy getting off the bus, you know, <laughs> was wearing a backwards number four Michigan Harbaugh jersey that had his name, you know, t- you know stenciled on the, you know, the, the jersey Harbaugh, and then he just wrote free above it, as in, like, we must free our head coach from our own university who suspended him, by the way. Like, what? Oh, my god. What gosh. is the point? To me, that's just, just a stupid thing Tone to down. do. And then, yeah, they a, a, then they ran a then they ran the uh, the signature Harbaugh like everyone in a straight everyone's line in a straight play line. as their, oh, as their and, first play and, to and, and, honor him. Here's and the, held up held up the number four what, with their hands. It's not like your coach has is going through cancer or like <laughs> or has been like expelled from the university. Oh I don't like it was just a weird, really weird thing. Just, like it, you know what it makes me believe. Have some perspective. It makes, well, it makes me believe that that he is like molding JJ McCarthy yeah. in his image. Well, the whole team. Well, it's, uh, it's yeah, a bit conspiratorial. It's a, well, right? it's a cult-like situation. Yeah, right. You know, at this point, the way that they're all be- behaving about it, and I know we're going over ten seconds here, but, <laughs> but I mean, after the game, JJ was just he, I he was overflowing with like joy and and gratitude for he's like he's like he's like this this effort or this this win was effortless he's like he's like just it was just so great to be a part of you know honoring our coach and then the, every play came effortlessly after that and it was just very strange I, I like no like he was the only one who was like Michigan looked you know sharp he was just like everybody else yeah. was like uh you know uh, I don't know if I you know Number East two, Carolina, bro. Yeah, he's Carolina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, number three, Ohio State's offense comes down to earth in a pedestrian twenty-three to three win over Indiana, which Andy. was last year's worst defense in the Big Ten. Andy, I know I told this to you, but the, the the listeners don't know. I went back and looked it up. The last time that Ohio State started a season against an unranked opponent scoring 23 points or less was in 1992 against unranked Louisville when they were ranked when US Ohio State was ranked 17th and they won 20 to 19 they typically like have a blowout against an unranked opponent like 40 50 60 sometimes 70 points Dude, there's been a, there's Ohio been a couple of Ohio State's offensive points average last year was 41 Right, they scored an average of forty-one points a game last year. They yeah. couldn't manage twenty-four against Indiana, and that was in that was in Ohio State. It was at Indiana. Okay, but still. Well, that's irrelevant. It is irrelevant. <laughs> um, I would just, uh, you know, so so what that tells me is that Kyle McCord doesn't quite have a grasp of the offense yet. I mean, His numbers Harrison, were not like egregiously awful. I think he had an interception. He he did not look good. Yeah. Did he have a touchdown pass? 
I don't have that in front of me. Yeah. I, so I know who didn't have a touchdown catch was Marvin Harrison Jr. Only had he two had catches. Two, two catches for 18 yards. Ugh. It was not a good day for them. I, I know that Ohio State fans are like concerned. They even tout, uh, trotted out their their backup quarterback, Devin Brown, who wears number 33. Um, <laughs> he he got some run too, but, but not... It was not like it didn't look good, uh, you know. He got a couple of run plays, I think, is what really it, it amounted to. All right, moving on. Um, number twenty-five, Iowa's new look offense gets Kirk Ferenz's. No, sorry, Brian Ferenz's first. Ferenz. No, no, no. T in there. Ferenz. Ferenz. Sorry. Let me. I'm going to start this over because I blew it on multiple levels. Sure did. Number twenty-five, Iowa's new look offense gets Kirk Ferenz's. First passing touchdown on the opening series of the season in his career. <laughs> but offensive coordinator Brian Ferenc still fails to reach his mandated 25-point average as the highways, as the Hawkeyes ultimately put away Utah State by a score of 24 to 14. Sorry, there was a lot there. Yeah, so they weren't even tongue twisters. That's the best part. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> and you're an English major, aren't you? Um, Kirk Ferenc has never scored an opening drive touchdown, uh, opening drive passing touchdown in his career. Okay. So first of all, (laughs) (laughs) um, the new look, Iowa offense, not gonna, I mean, it's Utah state They're They, they, they're not, they're not a a team that you, you should be scoring more than 25 points against the Utah State if you're a Big Ten, you know, power. How is he going to hit Iowa his season average power. if he can only score 24 against I, Utah State? I didn't State. look at their schedule, but, like, like these are the types of games they need to be ahead of schedule with. You know what I mean? Yeah, you need to, like, score 100 points in this game. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's out of the question. Um, they will need to score 100 points uh, at some point if they're going to make this at some point. But, um, yeah, so... It could spell trouble. Here's the question. You know, if Brian Ferentz does not make his 25 points, does his father retire along with his son getting fired? Because they have a new athletic director there. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, okay. Let, let's let's I mean, not that's, let's not I, wander down that uh, I, spider no, I, hole. I, hey, that's it's not wandering; it's right there in front of us. What are you talking about? Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, moving on, Illinois has trouble with Toledo, yes. needing needing a last second field goal to win thirty to twenty eight, bringing the Rockets' upset bid crashing back to earth. Yeah. Um, the, I'm trying to decide if I would have liked Toledo to have won that game or not, but but I think it worked out pretty great because we still want Illinois to kind of like pose a threat to us, um, because you know I, I just you you we want to level up uh, in our competition to like build our own you know experience you know week by week. And we had a really good one against West Virginia, and I want Illinois to pose a good defensive threat towards our offense so that Aller and the offensive line can, you know, really start working towards the Iowa game and then the Ohio State game and Michigan game. So uh, glad Illinois won. Concerning for them that it, they had to come from behind on a last second field goal um, because Toledo, I mean, I, Toledo. <laughs> Like, I yeah. The, I mean, that was yeah. I know Illinois lost a lot of players to the NFL, but to almost lose to Toledo, that sucks. <laughs> oof. oof. 
Yeah, well, um, hey, that will do it for news and notes. Um, let's go ahead and take the shift and go uh, and talk about that West Virginia game and dig in. Um, you know, everyone knows by now that uh, Penn State won that game 38 to 15. Um, you know, they got out to a, a fast start. Uh, typical of James Franklin's teams, like seemed to stall in the second quarter, um, but then came out and put together a solid second half uh, to pull away. Um, and honestly, with an opening week of college football with a lot of blowouts against far inferior competition and a few close calls um, and even some upsets, this was really a great start for Penn State. I think uh, an emphatic win against a solid power five team. And quite frankly, I mean, I, I, I thought it when we were watching in the stadium and even as I uh, watched the replay on TV, a, a better West Virginia team than I expected to see and that I had given them credit for. I think this is a good team that we played and it was, in my opinion, a very solid win. Yeah, they definitely looked to have some good players. Uh, their quarterback was pretty solid. Um, their defensive line thwarted uh, our offensive line in the interior of our offensive line quite a bit. Olafashinu was still great. Uh, he had no, I think, no pressures, no quarterback hits, and no sacks given up in the game. Um, so a lot of things that I think we expected to be possible, you know, worked out that way. But the, the real surprise, I think, to me was, you know, that Drew was up to the task and the, and receivers stepped up uh, in the game. Yeah, I mean, this was as much as we were looking for the defense to make their mark. This was uh, really a, a game as much about the offense. Um, yeah, I was expecting the defense to carry the day, and it was Drew that carried the day. Essentially, yeah, I mean, Penn State had 478 total yards, ten more first downs in West Virginia, um, 170 more yards. Um, all of those. Uh, additional yards were more passing yards and then four fewer penalties than West Virginia, only one penalty for five yards on the night. Oh yeah. And 23 more points. So, you know, it, I, I know you and I both predict, predicted that we were going to get up into the forties and, and West Virginia's point totals could we be lower. Have, if we had hit uh, our field true. goals and the, the, the missed touchdown, at least one missed touchdown, we would have been in the forties. But, you know, overall, a very dominant performance against, again, and I think they, a, a better team that we gave them credit for. And they're, they they made the score look better with, you know, um, I, I'll call it a garbage time touchdown against our second and third stringers with that two-point conversion. You know, but other than that, if you throw away both of our garbage touchdowns at the end of the game, you know, it was a 31-7 to game, and, and we controlled the game. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. And, um, you know, some of the things that I was – uh, kind of, you know, you mentioned not being able to like text and 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 express our, you know, irritations. Our you know, broth. <laughs> get into the, the brothing with the the, the brothing, the yes. brother frothing, um, which we were talking about back and forth, and and it was really the defense. It felt like the defense was giving up too much ground, but uh, even that, uh, you know, on uh, second viewing, it it was more solid than I remembered. I mean, yes, right. we let them gash. We us were on the a ground, product, but. We, we all were a product of the individual moments, yeah. Right. You know, and being being not being able to like watch a replay after every play or whatever like that, whatever like that. So, so definitely watching it on TV is a different perspective that I think 
after the fact will I, I walked away from that game not even remotely close to hitting any sort of panic buttons with our defense or offensive lines just no understanding and knowing that you know we played Purdue the first game of the last of last season we didn't know where Purdue was going to be as a team at the end of the season and we didn't know where we were going to be as a team at the end of the season but but like if you were to take a snapshot of Penn State in that game you'd be like uh this is concerning you know, yeah, a lot well, of, a lot of concern winning the Big here. Ten West, right? Right, and we ended up so, being an eleven and two team. Right, so exactly. Um, so, so I don't I, take too much away from this from a negative standpoint. I'm, I'm, I'm. What we needed to, to have happen, in my opinion, was we needed to see Drew Aller prove that he is the guy that well, we all wanted him to be and thought uh, he would uh, be. Uh, everything that we could take away from this team. Uh, from this game about this team, I think that was probably the biggest question mark going into it for everyone. And we hopes were high, but the, you know, actually seeing it come to fruition, we really didn't know what we we're going to see. And I would say that's probably in my mind, the, the most gratifying takeaway is just that drew Aller, answered the call we have ourselves a quarterback it was the best you know, he's already being compared to Kerry Collins and I'm not trying to say that like I agree with that necessarily and there, I'm sure there are parallels in ways but like it's one game one game as a starter but with that just one game as a starter um you know viewpoint it's the best first game for a starter since like it's like I've seen it's like since Daryl Clark or since Michael Robinson. Um, the point is that yeah, you know he, a good twenty years. He's in you know. good company though mm-hmm. too. You know, yeah. great leaders and great quarterbacks, and he's the Big Ten Player of the Week um, as well. well. And you look around national uh, football. Um, and he's the Big Ten Player of the Week uh, with other Heisman the, tr- candidates across yes, the Big Ten. That's you know, so not only that, you, you know, you've got a bunch of teams, big big name teams, debuting uh, quarterbacks. Right, you've got Ohio State, for example. You've got Clemson, for right. example. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, he's not, it's not, it wasn't Cade Klubnik's debut, but you know, well, I mean, season more, debut. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, so <laughs> I just I think it's. I, I think it's pretty impressive that the first time the guy got a chance to really be the guy, um, he, well, he he's went, also, put a performance. He's also already like, you know, he was on the 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 periphery of like a you know like Heisman watch kind of stuff, and he's definitely now supplanted or not supplanted. He's cemented himself in the conversation outside of the top tier of quarterbacks. And right now that top tier is like Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, maybe. Um, And, you know, he's like right there below that. If he has like, if he's turning out games that are like 300 plus every week, I'm not saying he'll win a Heisman, but he's certainly going to be like, a guy who's in the conversation, a guy that's putting Penn State in position to win games. That's a, the big part of it, is putting us in position to win games. I mean, we had wide receivers step up all over the field, and they're if they're going to continue doing that all year long, he's making these wide receivers look good, let's put it that way, and vice versa. Where, yeah. where I don't think, when was the last time we had a game where multiple wide receivers were looking really good? I mean, he spread the ball around to nine different receivers. Right. Four of them had multiple receptions, uh, you know, and just let's talk about some of the specifics. Okay. Um, he threw for 325 yards. He was 21 of 29 for a 72% completion rate. That's just incredible. 
that's 11.2 yards per attempt. Or if you take out the incompletions, that's 15.5 yards per completion. So not only is he uh, throwing at a very high completion percentage, he's also throwing the ball downfield. And um, I, I was watching the game um, on on uh, Peacock afterward, and they put up his first half stats. His first half and second half completion percentage were identical. Like the guy is consistent. It's it was it's impressive. That's um, wild. And and on top of that, by the way, Andy, when you listing all these stats, that's only the second PSU QB to ever start their career with over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And you know, we can like take this in the context that you know last year's West Virginia team. Their, their passing defense was not great, but they got four new guys in the portal to come in and try and shore some of that up. And I don't think that it was like... I don't think they played terribly on the back end. Like, they almost intercepted a couple passes that were errant by um, by Drew Ellar. Or is it Aller or Lar? Aller. Franklin's screwing me up about this. He can't pronounce Aller. it correctly. Aller. So, you know, take that into context of, of who it was, but that's still a Power 5 team, Okay. It's still a Power Five team in a in a you know, Power Five conference with Power Five players back there, and Drew diced them up. Now, now we talked a little bit, Andy. You know, yesterday, uh, West Virginia was running cover zero. Talk a little yeah. bit about the, the the protections they were running. Yeah. So, um, and this is something that um, you know came to my you know came to my attention through some of the reading, and I think even. Um, some of the coverage during the game that after I went back and watched um, with the commentators are talking about this, but like, you know, cover zero, uh, oh, it's James Franklin is post game presser. Um, cover zero is basically there's no safety over the top and it allows them to bring an extra defender into the box. And that extra defender can either, you know, do, um, you know, run stopping or rush the quarterback, and they and were br- they were bringing they were bringing to rush pressure the quarterback. almost all the time, and which and is James, why a lot of Drew's passes he had to like escape pressure in the man, pocket. His and mobility the in the pocket, and, yeah, yeah. But he handled that pressure so well, and and um, was able to find open receivers, and um, you know, I mean, it, again, just made it look easy, and it, it really it wasn't easy. He was under pressure all day. Um, that. It gives us some questions for the offensive line, maybe, you know, um, but throwing on the run outside of the pocket, you know, picking up positive plays and throwing his receivers open. He was doing that all day. And um, I think that's maybe part of why he got the offensive player of the game, because because it wasn't just his numbers, but it's how he got to those numbers and the poise that he showed while he did it. Um, you know, it's certainly going to give other teams some pause before they try to run cover zero against Drew Aller because he picked West Virginia apart to the tune of 325 yards and three touchdowns. That's not a successful result, you know, for any defense. And, um, but, um, it's part of what kept a run game, I think, uh, a little under control. And it's, it's, you know, part of, um, what kept our tight ends from seeing more action in the passing game. And so I think, you know, you've really given future defensive coordinators something really, really significant to think about is like, how do we, how do we stop this Penn State offense? Because you can hand it off to these two incredible running backs, or you can, try to throw pressure at Drew Aller, but it doesn't seem like there's a good way to stop these guys. Anyone who who looked at like our run game was like, oh man, really, what a disappointing day for the running backs. And it's like, you can't have a 250-yard rushing 
day for your offense and a 325 rushing day for your offense every single game. Like you have only so many plays. To run. <laughs> oh, and especially of, now with the clock, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know, the only thing that's going to stop the clock is incompletions these days. <laughs> Think about that. And, and are they going to do away with that at some point? <laughs> like, where the clock just runs no matter yeah. what. Not first downs. Not running out of bounds. Yeah, it's but it's that, weird. And, I, and it was still a three and a half hour broadcast. It, it's. I am not a fan of this this new rule. I hope they go back on it because if anything, they should just cut more commercials. That's what will, you know, shorten the game. Now, I, I, the only pos- positive thing I could think of about the way that they have shortened the game, they shortened the game play. They didn't shorten the broadcast. To be clear, the only thing I can think of is is it's less gameplay for less for less possible injuries. But like injuries are still going to happen. So yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, but you mentioned the running backs. Yeah, Drew Aller lived up. Didn't didn't need to run the running backs the way we maybe hoped we would see. I mean, we want to see our studs have a, have a big game, but like you have to like as a fan wrap your brain around the idea that this is the the object is to win, <laughs> and you want to you want to win in the the smartest way possible. And the way the smartest way possible in this game was to throw against no safety coverage with your five star quarterback and. Apparently, a whole host of wide receivers that we're about to get into, um, you know, after after I discuss the running backs a little bit, but a whole host of wide receivers that are emerging here. So, so you know, we didn't. By get- the way, these running backs, they, they did not have a bad day. You know, if, if, no, 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 not if at you all. replace the two backs with one back, and you say, hey, our one running back had twenty three carries for one hundred twenty one yards, like that's a big day for any running back. And and, and you know, as happened last year, these guys are basically evenly splitting carries. And so it's like, you know, these two backs combined to why, make one back. Right? Why run run either of these guys? Why why would you run either of these guys into the dirt in game one against a team you know you're going to beat? You know, like, yeah. I mean, well, that's and, just and like... So- you know, so that's the other such a thing physical. Just, that's a physical, such a physical aspect of the football game. Yeah. That like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to shy away from contact or they're going to shy away from running the ball, but like, if you can take the easy yards, why not take them? I, I think um, it's also important to note, like, you know, these guys were getting big chunks of yardage when they got the ball. Both of them had north of five yards per carry. Um, Singleton was 5.4. Um, Allen was 5.1. Uh, Singleton had a touchdown. His his long was 14, and um, Catron Allen's long was nine. So the one thing that was missing was just sort of like the the breakaway run, you know, like the they didn't quite get through the the to the third level or past the third level. Well, but like, I, attri- I attribute that to, to basically a new combination of, of linemen on the interior you have a you have a new starting safety you have a brand new starting left guard and you're trying well, you to also st- had an extra guy in the box and so that means your your tight end is blocking a safety down at the line right. of scrimmage or your running of, back is which or, by the way the running backs didn't give up any sack. we had one sack on the day and and, and i think that was um i'm just Kate saying Wallace there's an extra guy to block down front which takes away somebody to block you know the spring we, we missed that spring block you know like sure. we saw that last yeah. year with auburn right it's like uh you know 10 yards down the field and the block that sp- would spring nick singleton that we didn't have that last block andy i also but other than that i just let me finish up other than that it was just a really solid day for our running backs and i think that's that's it's very very encouraging in our offensive line i thought did a really nice job opening holes for the most part i also really feel like 
you know, I didn't think they would do this. I also didn't want them to do this, but they, I think they ended up doing this. I don't believe that they opened the playbook up a whole lot. I really don't. I think that they like ran a pretty vanilla style. Like they didn't have to pull any tricks out of the bag. They didn't have to do any crazy. Like they, I think they played the game pretty straight up. And obviously they ran the T formation a little bit here and there, but that to me, that's just like power football. Um, they didn't, yeah, they didn't that was have, nothing new for us. Right. So I just didn't think that they were trying to throw too many new wrinkles. I think they're working on a lot of their base stuff. Yeah, I think some of that I, is just like coming out of camp, and some of it is not. Well, they're getting ready for Illinois, to, in my right. opinion. Yeah. They're getting ready for Illinois, and they're, they're going to have to play power football against Illinois, in my opinion, um, more so than they did against um, West Virginia here. But I think West Virginia's defense posed a, a similar, like, uh, you know, task from a from a game planning standpoint, minus the the, the their def, their defensive secondary being quite as bad as maybe West Virginia's is. So the game plan might change for Illinois, but I think in a lot of ways there's some parallels to what West Virginia showed from a defensive line standpoint and a linebacker standpoint to what we'll see at Illinois. I, I really do think this is a a, a prep a preparation game for for that. But I think in the Illinois game you'll see. Yursich, especially after the Delaware game next week, you'll see Yursich maybe start to open up the playbook a little bit more from a, um, you know, a, a run game standpoint. I think we'll see a, a little bit more from that. Hey, let's talk about those receivers because we already talked sure. about uh, Drew Aller's big day, but he couldn't have done it without the receivers. He threw almost exclusively to wide receivers. With the, I think Tyler Warren was sprinkled in and and barely. And, um, Tyler Warren got backs, a catch. Uh, yeah, but, uh, and but each was, running back got one catch. It was a, significant yards. It was a coming out party for the receivers as much as it was for Drew Aller. Um, Kendra Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace um, were the big headliners of the day. Number one and two in terms of catches and total yards. Kendra Lambert Smith two touchdowns, including a, a 72 yarder. Um, he and he's had now had a long, that's now his third game in a row with a long touchdown reception. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we also had some other receivers. Um, you know, we weren't sure who that third receiver was going to be. Um, Malik McLean really popped out. He had four catches for 58 yards, including a 25 yard touchdown reception. And Liam Clifford, you know, we were talking about this and I was saying, well, well, Liam uh, got the start. Yeah. I was like, look at Clifford's numbers. And you're like, Clifford's numbers. What, why are we talking about Sean Clifford? I'm like, oh, <laughs> right, Liam, right. Liam, yeah. you know, Liam Clifford, he looked good. Yeah, he, he looked, did. Um, you know, he looked like a really, you know, dynamic, um, what'd you call him? He, the, the Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro. Penn State, Penn yeah, State offense. you know, like, um, you know, just sort of in traffic, catching the ball, making, he's shifty, he's sort of quick. And he had he a looked, big block on McLean's touchdown. Yeah, um, and he knew what reception. he was doing, you know? So, like, I, to me, after this game, and again, big caveat is West Virginia is known to have a pretty poor secondary. We don't know how good their secondary really is this year. We'll, you know, find out over the time, whether this is more reflective of the quality of our receivers or the, how poor their um, defense listen, is, but listen, but you can only, I, I, you can only play against the guys yeah, you line. I'm up just against saying though, one. I'm just saying that, you know, I think a lot of those questions about the receiving core were answered this game. I mean, I feel really good about these receivers right now. And um, I, that's just because they were consistent. They were solid. They were open. They were getting open. They were, they were where they needed to be, and and um, it was it was really it was really great to see. I think I think you know 
We mentioned Malik McLean here, the transfer from Florida State, six foot four, two hundred and five pounds. That's a difference making frame right there. He was um, not on my radar, by the way, for being a, a big time contributor to Penn I don't State. Think, I, I, th- I don't think anybody thought he was, except for maybe right when he made the transfer, like when it was announced. Like, like, oh yeah. my gosh, like this guy's bu- build is like what we've been needing. And now he he transferred in 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 winter, by the way, like after the season was over, um, yeah. he transferred in, so he got a full um spring you know under his belt including the, the the time with the strength and conditioning program which is big for for you know get, developing rapport with the team and getting on board with the team philosophies and all that kind of stuff um and just getting acclimated to the university on top of that but our the guy we all thought would be a day one starter and contributor was Dante Cephas out of Kent State now he did contribute in the game he had one catch for 20 yards Unfortunately, he dropped a touchdown pass after that that 22-yard reception. Now, uh, from what I'm hearing, like he's been a little slower to catch on with the the offensive uh, playbook and and all that kind of stuff. And and it's probably because he didn't transfer until the beginning of summer. Whereas Malik McLean transferred in at the you know be, you know beginning of winter s- semester, so he obviously ha- you know had a leg up on on Dante Cephas in that department from a you know a progress standpoint. So I, I'm still like jury's still out on Dante Cephas. I'm still I think he'll still contribute significantly at some point. I just think these first few games are gonna. You know, it's going to take these first few games for him to kind of get more acclimated to Big Ten football because you know Malik McLean came from Florida State where they they're playing you know more other Power Five uh, teams, other Power Five cornerbacks. So he just might be further along on his progression and development than than Dante Cephas. And we will get Dante Cephas for another year after this if he comes back. We have the opportunity for him to to come back. But Malik McLean to me is is this possible new X factor for us, you know, because, because, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith is proving himself to be the number one stud that we all thought he would be. And he thought he would be. Whereas, and Harrison Wallace now had his career high in receptions and, and I believe yards um, in, in, in that game. And, and we just need that number three guy or four guy or five guy. And it well, seems like we got like some, I, some like options I said, for that. You feel a lot better about that right now. Um, And, you know, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. So I want to take a few minutes to talk about the defense because we saw some good things there, I think, Um, even though we felt a little concerned for a lot of the game. So um, let's talk about some of those good things. All right. Let me throw some numbers at you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Three sacks, six tackles for loss. We held them to zero points in the first and third quarter. We held West Virginia to 308 total yards, of which 162 of that was passing yards. Their quarterback was only 59%, 16 of 27 passing, 146 rushing yards, but 3.7 yards per carry. So, you know, you plus we held them to... 15 points, the last eight of which was in, as you mentioned, the last three minutes. I, You know, just on those numbers alone, that's a really darn good defensive performance, if you ask me. I, I You know, it just wasn't the dominant one we, we wanted to see. Um, so, yes, those are good numbers. I, I, I just, I'm not... Don't contradict me. I'm not contradicting you. <laughs> I just... 
I'm I'm trying to like temper myself from from looking at this game as, as, with any sorts of concern. I just did have expectations going into the game. I had high expectations for our defensive ends, and I wanted to see our defensive tackles get a push. None of that happened, um, you know, and even. Chop Robinson came out and was like, "We did not live up to our own standard." And then yeah, on top so of that, Abdul we're Carter had about one tackle. Things. You know, <laughs> so I'm just those were my expectations. Yeah, and they were not yeah. met. Yeah, you know. So y- no yeah, turnovers either. By the way, you're absolutely right. We're we're going to talk a little about some things that we feel needs work. Um, but just on the on the good things that the defense did. Look, Curtis Jacobs had himself a game. Uh, Ten tackles, seven solo. Uh, including one sack, uh, he was named the defensive player of the game by the Penn State coaching staff. It was um, his. It was his third time in his career with with ten or more tackles. By the way, I mean that's just solid, man. Uh, Kobe King, uh, who started at middle linebacker, we thought maybe he would, but um, that that was confirmed uh, at game time. Uh, he had five tackles. Johnny Dixon, two passes defended. Four defensive backs with four tackles each. Zaki Wheatley, Jalen Reed, Kalen King, and Cam Miller, who also had a sack. Um, we had a lot of defensive backs in on the field at the same time in this game, and and I think Johnny Dixon kind of filled the role of the of that prowler a little bit in on a couple of plays. So yeah, and and you mentioned Adisa Isaac. Uh, you know, he actually uh, had a really good game. Was very disruptive in the run game, um, and you know there were quarterback pressures that um, didn't result in as many sacks as we'd hoped but um you know and by the way we we saw a lot of true freshmen on the on the stat sheet Tony Rojas uh, Zion Tracy Elliot Washington Keon Wheatley all had tackles um Keon Wiley excuse me um, he's a redshirt freshman Bob Wiley um uh, Wiley. You know, I, I will say, I think, and I think some of why we feel like with those statistics, we're like, eh, it doesn't quite feel that way. Penn State really was helped out by West Virginia penalties. Definitely. Um, definitely. Un- untimely penalties, if you're a West Virginia fan. Um, five of those penalties, I mean, 55 yards, it's not terrible, but it's more the the situations that came in that, that really kind of were drive stoppers in a lot of respects. Well, speaking um, of drive stoppers, we also had three fourth down uh, conversions of theirs that we stopped on right. top of it. Right. For what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't punt a lot. They went for it on fourth down. And a lot of those fourth downs were in Penn State territory, um, which again, like we were letting them get drives going to the point that they felt like it was, you know, in that no man's land of, you know, too close to punt, but too far to kick a field goal. And, um, you know, we we did get some timely stops in there, um, including Abdul Carter's only tackle for the day, which was a sack on a uh, kind of ill-conceived trick play. Um, but, you know, overall, the defense did what it needed to do to keep West Virginia off the board. Um, the game wasn't truly put away until the final minutes, but um, we were really dominant all day um, offensively and defensively, even though there were, there were a lot of things that were left uh, on the table, and I think that's maybe the, where to go next, which is to talk about some of those things we saw that you know needs some work, and that maybe we can find some improvement on. Um, Joe Paterno always said the you know you find the most improvement between game one and game two. Uh, of course, game two is Delaware, so I don't know. You know, um, hey, I, but it, hey, I'll get into Delaware. Like, I don't think they're a total pushover for the I, record. I, I kind of agree with you there, but um, I think really we'll see game three how far this team has come when we face Illinois. But um, there is room for improvement. So, um, what 
what I think are the are the two areas that are that are most um, in need of some attention now that we've seen it um, this season are are on the offensive line and on the defensive line. I, I mean, I think that's where I expected domination, and we didn't get as much of that. Um, and there's some reasons for that. It, not everything has to do with Penn State. Playing I mean, poorly, it's been but, touted by multiple outlets that we have the a top five defensive line. It did not show up against West Virginia. Now, sure for what it's worth, West Virginia's offensive line is good. Like they're they have th- three of their five are future NFL draft picks. So it's not like I kind of against nobody's believe that I guess because I was hearing that before the game. But like, no, they were good, dude. That was um, a good offensive line. When I was there on their lone touchdown, um, they 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 ran it in and, and there was a shot of their center who this is the guy they think is going to be a first rounder, right? Their center hikes the ball. He puts both of his arms out and with each arm, he's pushing back a Penn State defensive tackle. Yeah, that's egregious <laughs> i mean but it also just shows like this dude is a dude you know yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. and it, but I, by the way he, i hope he's special. i hope that that play and that that picture is put up as bulletin board material somehow of for the defensive tackles to be like wow we by the way one are... of those guys could have been a safety or a linebacker I, i'm not sure if oh, okay. were two tackles well, but even way. so like just pushing back one guy pushing two penn state players Two or three yards off the ball on a goal line situation. Yeah, um, yeah, it 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 definitely makes I, you think. I, I huh. really, be, I really believe honestly, and that that's 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 tough to 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 know that a West Virginia team could get a better push against our defensive line, especially with the accolades they were, you know, <laughs> racking in, you know, raking in in the, in the preseason. It's just I really hope that Dion Barnes. And Manny Diaz, um, I hope Deion Barnes cleans up the defensive line, and I hope Manny Diaz has been withholding, you know, some of his plays. I, I just, I'm, I think we'll see better from the defensive line and the defense as a whole moving forward. I really do. I just, I, I think the question going forward is, you know, when we face the the really big, powerful offensive lines that we're going to face in the Big Ten, can we get a stop when we need to get a stop? on a fourth and one and, and like against West Virginia, we just like, we, we got them stopped on third and fourth down plenty of times throughout the game. But every time there was a short yardage situation, we, and, and they ran straight at us. Uh, we gave up that yardage. Listen, I'm just saying that's the question. Listen, 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 it's week one and we're not Clemson. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I mean, seriously, there, there are a lot of things to, to, they were ta- we did well. they were Clemson was being touted as having one of the b- best offensive lines in the country. They had two all-American linebackers. Like there was no way they were going to lose to Duke. And and you know, this West Virginia team had some Duke-like players, you know, yeah, that's a very on their good team. Analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh you know, and, which by the way, one of those players that they have was their leading receiver who had 90 yards was Devin Carter, the former transfer commit to Penn State, who decommitted and went to West Virginia, so yeah, that um, was annoying. A quiet ninety yards from him, I, you know. In, well, in he my had opinion. he had their longest pass play of the game, yeah. their longest yeah. play of the game, yeah. which set up 
their lone touchdown. I just touchdown. mean quiet in the sense um, that they're that that it was not like holy crap, Devin Carter is amazing. Like you know, no one. Yeah, he he, he um, was lost. Like that was a blown coverage that long pass. Sure, but, sure. Um, yeah, no, he led their team in passing, and and he looked like a very good receiver. It would have been nice to have him on our team, but yeah, uh, no, we didn't let him. We didn't let him hurt us too badly. But um, you know, I think o- overall that defensive line, you know, and we just didn't get home to their quarterback. I think the other thing is like, I, and I don't know how many truly mobile quarterbacks we're going to face this year, but um, the quarterback they ran against us, he was slippery and he, he was a, an escape artist, you know, Franklin, and Franklin even stated as much and like that. He's a good quarterback and he's going to have some good football games in front of him. Ah, uh, yeah. And he may surprise folks uh, at how well he does once he gets down as a stretch, but it was disappointing that we didn't have more discipline in the front seven, uh, we were overrunning him. We were running way past him, and then he just took off, and he had like wide open running lanes. Um, you know, Abdul Carter at one point was seemed like he was a spy on him, and he just completely whiffed. I mean, it was just and Abdul Carter. We said this; uh, it just didn't have a great game, um, at least on the on the stat sheet. And he had some really he was in the wrong position and made some um, kind of incorrect. Uh, techniques to to kind of pull himself out of the play and missed a couple of tackles that he he could have had because he was had his arms on the guy and he just was was using you know poor poor technique it was almost like he forgot his fundamentals and and was just sort of you know playing off of pure instinct um I, I think that kind of stuff is going to get corrected but those are some of the things that we saw that's like eh, it you know didn't hurt us too badly this game but in the future we're going to need to raise the level on the defensive line and on the tackling. I believe it's it's coming. I I'm I have hope that that it will arrive when necessary. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we're going to that it's going to smother Michigan right now, but I just think that in these coming games we will see a progression of these things that that they they listen, they got stuff on tape now. They're no longer practicing against their own players. They they can go look at a real game against a Power 5 opponent, look at the tape, look what they got to clean up, and correct it moving forward. So, and they do need they to do correct that. it. They do they need do, to correct they, it. <laughs> well, they, they they have done that in the past. Yeah. yeah. Well, Manny Diaz has done that in the past. I, I, I mean, After I After the Michigan loss, what did Penn State do? They yeah. dominated for the next, what, four, four games? Well, that, that Michigan team is looming and i remember it you know after west virginia had you know put together a couple of you know pretty decent runs against us in a row my dad leans over to me and he's like if we play this way against michigan we're gonna get killed <laughs> you know and i was so, and you told me that and i was like that is true yeah <laughs> you know? you're like, like uh murdered <laughs> yeah and i wasn't even uh, like disillusioned by like st- I, I, so, I, I so we do that. have to get it corrected like this is this is not gonna gonna work well for us down the stretch but i i agree with you i believe there's plenty of time to do that the other thing um just to mention it's just the offensive line um uh, credit drew aller for really working the pocket well um but you know, it just felt like even with the cover zero, we didn't have the communication that we needed to have. To I would love to see him have a little bit more time back there and and get a little more comfortable and be able to to make those long downfield passes to you know be a little cleaner. I mean, there were times where it felt like he was sort of running for his life. Just so happened those were the plays that <laughs> he he did the most damage on a lot of times. But still, um, the offensive no, but, line seemed like they 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 could have played a cleaner game. Listen, you'd love to see him. Like with more time in the pocket, naturally, but 
the fact that he is capable of throwing the ball in an unstable pocket is something we haven't seen in a little while. I'll say. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Clifford was not great at it. Like, he was not great at throwing on the run. I mean, he even Trace even Trace McSorley, he was good at at scrambling about, but it, it felt like what Drew was able to do in the passing game when he was moving around in the pocket was just special. In my opinion, we're underselling the fact that he's a special talent at quarterback. I really believe that. We'll, we will find out how no, special I, he is. I, in the we weeks just ahead. we just saw it I on know. display. It's true. Well, that's I'm why not, he's Big Ten Big Ten Offensive Player of the that, Week. I that's think my people point. are noticing, um, and I, yeah, I certainly hope that that continues um, as we go forward. Uh, just one thing I want to mention before we uh, close out the podcast, um, which is uh, cause for concern, and this would be related to the special teams. We had a bad day on special teams. I mean, not what you need in a national championship football team. We had a bad day at the field goal kicking position. With, that's what you mean. Um, yes, primarily that's the worst part, but also remove pun- that and t- tell me how, how the special teams did. Uh, punting was, was not, uh, it was two punts. All right. Fair enough. But it was two. He had one but good one. One of those two one was flubbed. One of like those that, two was twenty nine yards. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. But but he was an all American punter at FAU, averaging forty five or forty six yards per punt. The guy kicked two punts. Let's give him a chance. All right. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to call it. We definitely need to get the field goal kicking. It's the field out. goal kicking. It's the field goal kicking. The punting will come around. He'll be fine. It's the field goal kicking. All right. Well, um, bro, as we um, turn away from uh, that West Virginia game, do you have any overall thoughts or takeaways that you're going to be bringing with you as we go forward into week two? Um, Honestly, the biggest takeaway for me moving forward is that these wide receivers are ready to like – they've been listening all offseason about how they are the weakest link in this offense. And it seems to me they're they're here to answer the answer the call, and yeah, there were some drops, but none of them were so bad that we we're talking about them like as a major problem moving forward. Um, we we got a number one, we got a number two. Looks like we got a number three A and B, and Dante Cephas might even you know join that those ranks as a three C. We haven't even talked about Amari Evans because he was injured for the game, Correct. and uh, yeah. so he might be in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the point yeah. is, people are people are stepping up, and I'm I'm excited about guys like Malik McLean, uh, Liam Clifford, Dante Cephas. I'm excited to see what this wide receiver crew can do um, with a guy like Drew Aller throwing the ball. Yeah, for me, uh, it's that Drew Aller's the real deal. Like that's my takeaway. Could not be more excited. Uh, to find out that that's the truth. Um, he, he definitely had uh, a, a tremendous performance. Uh, I think something that is likely, you know, only to get better as the season goes on. I hope that also is true, but a uh, guy knows how to throw the ball and run the offense. I am thrilled and um, I can't wait to see what comes next. Um, Folks, that'll do it for us. Just want to remind you to uh, subscribe, uh, share with your friends, write a review, give us a rating, send us an email, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. We'd love to engage with you in any of those ways. Uh, Next episode, we're going to be previewing Delaware, the Fighting Blue Hens, uh, and talking about what we might expect to see uh, next Saturday. Uh, Until then, bro, it always starts with I love you.
and it ends with I love you. Love you, bro. Love you. We are Ped State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 